Okay. Tonight, we have a very special show for you guys. I am joined by a guest, Liz. Hi, guys. And we are going to serve up a hot dish of murder. (laughs) And mayhem. From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. We miss that. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to How Did We Miss That? I am Christine and I'm joined by our guest, Liz. Hi, guys. We're so excited to have you. I am so excited to be here. It's super fun having guests. John is busy this week. So yes. it was kind of cool to have somebody fun I know. to come on my show with me. And you like murder too. I sure do. Yeah. <laughs> You're one of my people. I am one of your people. So. What got you, what's the thing that got you into true crime? Oh, that's a good question. Because initially I was like a psycho and was like, couldn't even watch Unsolved Mysteries because I was like, someone is out there to get me. Yeah. And then I got into things like Criminal Minds, which you need to watch, my friend. I do need to watch that. You're right, I do. You need to watch that. But it's totally made me realize that like being healthy is not worth it because it's like, you know, you go for a jog and God knows what's going to happen. So Exactly. Know. Don't exercise, you guys. Don't exercise. Do not exercise. So, yeah, I mean, Unsolved Mysteries was my, like, little gateway drug. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was, like, 10 years old and my mom would show Unsolved Mysteries. And whenever they'd put, like, the sketch up, yes. I always would, like, Ooh, I'd I get, like, the total... Looking all around me. Like, yeah. Oh like super heebie. And then, of course, every single person I saw was, like, that sketch person. Absolutely. So, anyway... I am not the recorder of this show, so if you hear, like, dog noises and stuff, I'm really sorry. I'm trying to keep the dogs quiet, it's but quite anyway. Right. Like I'm right a dog now, lover, so it's good. It's good. And Perfect. Hopefully your listeners are also dog lovers. Yes, hopefully. All right. Well, tonight I have a really special story. It is the story of Mary Mars K-Wine, also known as the Carbolic Acid Cocktail Murder. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. So it's really interesting. I am I was reading this and I'm like, what? This is crazy. So the sources for my story are you, a YouTube lady named Georgia Marie. She has like a cool little show. It was nice. Yeah. And then southernmysteries.com. Nice. Which I also think is a podcast, but they had it on their website. So. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Yes, please. Mary was 39 years old. She was living in Lexington, Kentucky, in a very lovely house with her husband of 15 years and their two children. Her husband was a doctor that specialized in hematology, and he had a really good reputation for being very good at what he does. Awesome. So, yeah. I wish I could say the same. Right. So Mary had come from, like, a well-to-do home. Her dad was, like, a really successful breeder of thoroughbred horses. I guess he actually was able to breed nine horses that won the Kentucky Derby. Wow. Yeah. So I guess he was like really good at that. So she kind of came from a well-to-do family. And so when she met her husband, who's a doctor, they kind of continued on with that lifestyle, if you will. Mm -hmm. So she was pretty used to being a socialite. Um, They were really social in their community. Everybody knew them. And they just had a good time affording this lovely life that they have. All right. 
So our story, it actually started, right? Where's my doctor? (laughs) So our story actually starts July 4th of 1965, which is probably why we've never heard of this. And Mary is in a lovely yellow dress and her husband, Madison, decided to go out and celebrate Independence Day. Like you do, right? Like you do. One of their children had gone to a friend's house, but the other one was home. And then their friends, the Struthers, took their two children over to be with a babysitter. This was 62-year-old Phoebe Edwards. A 62-year-old babysitter. Right? She's going to, like, fall asleep. I I fell asleep when I was, like, a teenager. Oh, that's true. I know. I had some times when I was, like, there till like, midnight. Yeah. And I was like, please come home. Yeah, me too. I was so tired. And the kids go to bed at, like, 7. Right. So you're sitting there for hours. Well, that, and they were like, hey, you want to play imaginary games? Hey, you want to do this? Hey, you want to do that? And it's like, no, thank you. I just, <laughs> I just want to sit here. I just, and I didn't like have a phone then, so it was like you, whatever yeah. you got on the TV is what you got. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes they didn't have good stuff, and it right. was just exactly awful. Anyway, so back to Mary and her sixty-two-year-old babysitter. Yes, go Phoebe. Yes. So they head to the country club with their good old pals Sam and Betty. I like these. It. I love these. They're such nineteen-fifties names. I know Sam, Betty, Mary. Although Madison, like, what is that? I don't know. I always think of that as like a girl's name, but I mean, yeah, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. So we'll he's go kind of, it. he's kind of like the, the odd guy with the name situation yeah. here. Anyway. So by six 30, they're sitting down to cocktails. Actually, some of the sources that I had, they claimed that they had five cocktails each before dinner and then five after dinner. Wow. That's a hefty pregame. Yeah. That's a lot of cocktails. And now I've been to restaurants where you get a cocktail and it's not the strongest thing in the world, but five of them will do it. Yeah. That's a lot. And then, and then eventually they had 10. Yeah. No. I can't imagine how much that cost either. Insane. Well, he was a well-to-do doctor. That's true. He was. All right. So apparently they were heavy drinkers, as you can tell, (laughs) though I guess they didn't really get super schnockered at this point in time because they were such thank you because they were such heavy drinkers so i guess it didn't really hit them as hard as maybe you or i might be hit because we don't really drink that i mean i don't know about you i don't drink that much but no so their tolerance was uh slightly high yeah so i I, i'm assuming they were a bit tipsy but they probably weren't like fall over drunk or anything like that so at around 12 um o'clock or 1 30 in the morning they go back to the struthers house and they do even more drinking like you do (laughs) right because that sounds good yeah so mary suddenly says that she isn't feeling well and that she wants to go home Mm. so sam actually drives her home uh mm, what happened to go home with the one you brought like i don't know unless he was too schnookered up so well here's the that's the other situation sam you're driving her home it's probably not the best idea yeah after we've had so many drinks yeah don't drink and drive peeps no bad 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 news so i mean it happened back then but yeah yeah. so they drive the three blocks to the carwine's house they dismiss the babysitter and sam decides to call a taxi instead of drive home so he decides to do it now when he doesn't have anybody in his car, decides to be smart. Yeah, well, didn't yeah. want to risk his life. Right. So he's waiting for the taxi with Mary, and he decides to have another beer. <laughs> and he pours Mary a bourbon and water. Oh, good. Yeah. What a gentleman. Isn't that nice? That's super nice. <laughs> so they take their drinks. Now, this is, this is where it gets weird. They take their drinks up to the car wine's master bedroom. What? I mean, 
I don't just go upstairs with my guests to my master bedroom. No. With, I, I don't, living room not good enough? I don't I guess know. not. That was weird. This, that was a very weird yeah. part of the story. Anyway, so it's a strange place to have drinks. I think we agree on that. I do. Anyway, they sit there talking for about 10 minutes when the taxi arrives to pick up Sam. Since his children were asleep, he decided just to leave them at the car wine so that he didn't have to disturb them. And he leaves. So that's nice. Just leave your kids there, too. It's perfect. Yeah, totally. So Mary continues drinking her cocktail in an armchair that she would never get out of again. When Sam returns home, he finds that Betty had gotten tired and went to bed. And he and Madison were the only ones left of the party. So naturally, they have another beer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Madison decides he wants to leave, though, around three o'clock in the morning. But he's so absolutely hammered that he can't even stand up. All right. then. So Sam helps him out of his clothes, gets him into a guest bed, tells him you're just going to stay here tonight. You can't go home like this. And goes to sleep. The next morning around 9 a.m., Betty tries to call Mary, probably to find out a good time to come get her children. Yeah. At 9 in the morning, a bit much. There's no answer, so she waits another hour and tries again. This time, when she gets no answer, she begins to worry a little bit and decides she's going to drive over to the house. She finds that the door was unlocked and the porch light was still on, which isn't too weird. Right. But it's kind of like, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Probably should turn your porch light off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I, I, always, I think at this time people left their doors unlocked. I think it I know, wasn't but I a always weird get thing. So weirded out by that because I'm like, mm, anyone, yeah. Anyone. I mean, I think it makes sense to us, but yeah, who knows? So yeah, the door was unlocked. The porch light was on. So she goes inside. She's calling for Mary. Mary, are you there? Where are you? She's not getting any answer. So she thinks, well, maybe she's still asleep. And she goes up to the master bedroom. Well, after that many drinks, yeah, I'd probably still be wanting to be sleeping too. Exactly. <laughs> So she sees Mary there. She's slumped over to the left with a drink still in her hand. Betty, of course, she tries to wake her up, calls to her friend. She doesn't get an answer. She goes over and tries to touch her. And she realizes that she is cold and completely lifeless. Ew. (laughs) So she does what any normal person would do. And she immediately calls her husband. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is like totally your number one thing that you should do (laughs) when someone might be dead. Right. So she calls her husband and she tells him to bring Madison over right away. Also, though, I don't know if anyone else is wondering, where are the kids? Yeah. They kind of just like in all my sources, they just like disappear at this point in the story. Like, I don't know what happened to them. Maybe it's another mystery. I don't know. Was it a school day? like... I don't think so. Well, oh, I don't know. Fourth of July of 1965. Oh, I don't well, know. oh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I forgot that they were it's celebrating summer. Yeah. But so maybe they the kids had like, in school, but maybe they were like had plans with friends or something. So, yeah, like, I don't know. but like for me, I can't even get my kids to let me sleep long enough oh, yeah. to not want breakfast. <laughs> so, so how are the kids not going and going, Mom, hello, breakfast? Right. Like, where yeah. are they? Is this weird. is like almost lunchtime by now. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was really strange. That is strange. I agree. So anyway, things start to get a little strange once Madison goes home. He marches upstairs, and instead of falling apart over his dead wife, he picks up the drinks that were left there and tells Sam to get rid of them. Okay. Then he calls a doctor, Dr. William Winterness, who arrives on the scene and pronounces Mary dead at 1130 a.m. 
So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Let's clean up the crime scene, right? Yeah, absolutely. All of these people are very, very good. (laughs) They have great common sense. Absolutely. So the doctor actually spots some, like a little bit of blood on Mary's slip and then on the armchair. Mm. But he immediately decides that Mary has died by suicide. And this is a story he's going to tell everybody. So he tells everybody that that's what he decided. Hmm. They did decide, though, to bring Mary's body to the University of Kentucky Medical Center to perform an autopsy. Good. During the autopsy, they find out that her blood alcohol level was 0.4. Holy cow. That is four times over the legal limit. And according to alcohol.org, which is a thing, can actually put you in a coma or cause sudden death because your heart and your breathing will suddenly stop. Right, because it slows everything down. In... (laughs) Insane. Wow. So they keep going and they find two tiny injection sites on her thighs. Oh, snap. Yeah. But worst of all, and I'm going to give you the graphic content warning here, everybody, if you want to la 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 la, just for like 10 seconds might be a good idea. They're going to have to maybe la 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 on mine too. Yeah. Right. So Mary's stomach had been completely eaten away <gasps> because she had ingested carbolic acid oh my word yeah that'll certainly slow someone down too mm-hmm. so even though they did find those injection sites they were still pretty positive that mary had ingested the carbolic acid so it wasn't like injected into her right because it wasn't in her bloodstream it was in her stomach so clearly she somehow ate it but what's up with the injection sites though i know we'll talk about them a little bit all right, all right. they also were able to determine the time of death was between two and six in the morning and they decided that the death was an unnatural causes, not suicide. So mm-hmm. two and six, kind of a big block of time. A little bit. You know, but, but we do have accounts of where some people were at some certain time. So that's kind of interesting. But right. yeah, I mean, I, I, I think nowadays they probably get a little closer, but back then. But also with the alcohol in her system, though, that maybe kind of threw things off for timing. Or, you Good know, point. Like, timing yeah. wise, you know, mm-hmm. just liver temps and things like that. Exactly. Good yeah. point. All right. So let's talk about carbolic acid, because I'm sure there's some people out there that don't know what that is. But the fact that it's got the word acid in it tells me it's not a good thing, right? Yeah. So it's also known as phenol and has to be handled very carefully because it's acidic and can cause chemical burns. When ingested, it will take about 30 minutes for it to begin eating away the stomach lining. Ooh. Now, of course, that's not an exact science because we aren't going to test it on people, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who's going to ingest it to find out how long it takes, but they're pretty sure it's a, around that time. Could be a little bit more. It could be a little bit less. So as you can imagine, it isn't really something that most people have around their house. Hopefully not. But do you know where it's used quite frequently? Hmm. I probably should know this, but go ahead. It's used as an antiseptic in the medical field. Boom. Mic drop. Now, I know what you're thinking, but just hold on to that thought for a little bit longer. Oh, but I want, I want to think it. <laughs> I know. All right. So back to the story. And Madison, who is really upset at this point, and he's actually calling into question the abilities of the people that performed the autopsy. So he decided to take Mary for a second autopsy. And the findings were exactly the same. I don't know. I, that kind of strikes me as odd. Right? Like, why do you care if it was suicide or unnatural? Right. I mean, I would almost rather it was unnatural. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't want to think my loved one wanted to kill themselves. It's awful. Yeah. So anyway, that was a little strange. 
And actually on July 10th, Madison has a conversation with Mary's mother, telling her that Mary had died of a heart attack caused by gas from too many antacids. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Strange. Yeah. I'm not really sure what to make of that, honestly. If I'm being like a positive person, I'm thinking maybe he wanted to spare her mother from like this idea that her daughter's stomach was eaten from the inside. Right. Yeah. Like from the gory details. And that clearly she obviously died in a horrible amount of pain. Like I can't imagine how bad that must hurt. So I don't know. I'm not sure. I could try to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows? But the police begin to investigate and they look into the lives of the car wines and what they find is that Mary had been unhappy for a while because she knew that her husband had been cheating on her. Dope. Always, right? Yep. He was in a relationship with a female colleague, and though the relationship had ended that past fall, he still began another affair with a patient of his, Barbara Liepman, who was also married to a doctor. Oh, my word. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, though, Madison had asked Mary for a divorce. Mary had told her grandmother that she had been really concerned, not for herself, but that Madison would lose his medical license because he was in a relationship with a patient. Right. Uh, yeah. I, that that was kind of a... Right. When I so heard that. So I added him to the suspect list very quickly. <laughs> like you do. Mm-hmm. You always have to look at the closest people. Yeah. Spouses. So as I had mentioned earlier, it could take about 30 minutes for the acid to begin burning away the stomach lining. One of the possibilities of the method of murder could be that the carbolic acid was put into her drink at the country club Hmm. and just took a bit longer to start working because maybe the food in her stomach, the other cocktails could have like kind of washed it down a little bit. But that could be why she started to feel sick that night. Indeed. It's a possibility. Another theory is that someone came into the house after Sam had left, forced her to drink the carbolic acid. And this, actually, they believe could explain the two injection sites because maybe they injected her with something that would paralyze her. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a possibility because the injection sites don't – there's, like, nothing about them that works with the story. It's just very strange. But, like, what would be the motive of, like, some random person, you know, just walking in to be like, I'm going to shoot you up. With a paralyzing agent, and then I'm gonna. And I happen to have, yeah, carbolic acid. Very strange. Yes. Well, the last possibility is that it was put into her bourbon that she consumed at the end of the night. That was my thought. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we have some theories as to how she was murdered, let's look at the who. Yes, please. So first, it's obvious. It's always the husband, right? Totally. So Dr. Carwine, he wants a divorce. He's cheating on her. But the problem is that he, she wasn't actually, like, refusing anything. She wasn't making it difficult for him. Hmm. She wasn't, like, you know, over my dead body. Pardon the pun. But, yeah. <laughs> but I'm chill. Yeah. He, he didn't really have a reason to murder her. You know, she's obviously knows he's been having these affairs. She's right. not stopping him. I'm sure she's not happy about it, but... Yeah, but it I did. mean, she's not rushing out there to embarrass him or trying to get a divorce or taking right. the kids, like nothing like that. So what would be his motive? So the only thing I can think about is maybe he was was embarrassed about the whole thing. I mean, he had like three affairs, I think. Mm. And remember that I did mention that the car wines were well known in their community. And he's like a well-known, respected doctor. So this could be something that could really ruin his career. career. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that was it. He did have one piece of damning evidence that was found, however. They found a syringe in his bedside table. Oh. And when asked about it, he claimed he had no idea how it got there. 
I mean, <laughs> syringes just show up in my nightstand all the time. Absolutely. They didn't have much to go on, though, because A, he's a doctor, and that would be something normal for him to have. Mm-hmm. And B, the actual needle part was never found. So they can't substantiate it because there's no evidence there, really. Right. But let's not forget that the first thing he did when he saw Mary's lifeless body was destroy evidence, mm-hmm. which could possibly have been a huge break in this case. Think about it. If they had her glass of bourbon, they could have tested it. Yep. And they could either eliminate that possibility or that's it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he knew that something was in there. Like, why did he say get rid of these? Did he know something was in there? Mm. Don't forget, though, he did have a really solid alibi. Yeah. He was so drunk he couldn't even stand up. Right. And he was still at Sam's house. And he stayed at the Struthers' house all yeah. night, apparently. Hmm. Now. So was Sam you in could, on it? It's a possibility. You could argue that he was acting so drunk to give himself an alibi. That's one. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, think about it. Well, he didn't really have a motive. Not that much of a motive to just actually kill her. Right. All right, so next we have his first affair. This is Dr. Emma LePat. I already explained that they had an affair and it ended, but she was described as a stalker. (laughs) She would drive past the house to see if Madison was there. She was also insanely jealous of his new affair and would actually drive past Barbara's house to see if Madison was there. That sounds like a motive. She even called her husband and told him of the affair and threatened her to stay away from Madison. Oh, my. But it really seems like Emma hated Barbara more, Mm. right? It seems like she really didn't see Mary as any kind of threat because she's not bothering Mary. Right. She's only bothering Barbara. She even told the staff at the hospital because she, I told you, she was a colleague of his. Yep. She told his secretarial staff, if a call comes through from Barbara, do not put it through. Don't take a message. Don't tell the doctor that she called. Oh. That's kind of mean. That is kind of mean. So I had mentioned that Barbara was one of his patients. She was actually seeing him because she had Hodgkin's lymphoma. And there was a point when Emma stole her test results and wrote in them, like, I I guess, ways to treat her, like a treatment plan. But she put, like, way more than she ever needed in and actually could have really hurt her. I was just going to say she probably. (laughs) Yeah. Well, luckily, Madison was able to intercept it. He saw it, figured it out. So it didn't actually end up hurting her. Good. So obviously she had it out for Barbara. But I don't know. Did she really do anything to Mary? Like, why would she kill Mary? Right. Because she already got the man. You know, like. Right. She wasn't really in the way. Yeah. So. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So she has a motive, but also, like, not Mary. Like, I don't know why she would just kill her. Right. So if you think about it, like, you kill the wife, and now he's free to be in a relationship with Barbara. But, but I did just have a thought. Hmm. Right. I was going to say, because if she got rid of the wife, then it was a way to maybe get back at Madison for dumping her to go after Barbara. Possibility. I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, the last suspect in this case is Dr. Herschel Liepman. Mm-hmm. He is the husband of Barbara. Oh. He had been receiving very strange phone calls about his wife. And on the night of Mary's murder, he was on the night shift at the hospital. At around 2 in the morning, he gets a message from his staff saying that his wife had called and needs him to come home immediately. He has a feeling that something's not right. He knows that if she had called and really needed him, she would have waited for them to get him, mm. not just left a message. So he's like, this is just weird. 
I don't know about this. I'm getting weird phone calls. Like, this just doesn't seem right. But he still decides that he's going to go and check it out. So he decides to go home. He could only think that whoever was trying to get a hold of him was obviously trying to get him home for some reason. So he decides to go. I, I mean, if I'm thinking about this, whoever called, which um, duh, it's Emma, obviously, like, was trying to get him home to, like, catch his wife mm-hmm. in the act, right? I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But we know that Dr. Carwin wasn't even home. Right. Right. So if I was going to go to all that trouble to call and, like, pretend that I was a wife and everything, I would at least check to make sure he's there first. Yeah. I mean, it seems kind of odd that you would just make a phone call. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he decides that he's going to go home anyway. He finds his wife asleep. But here's the really strange part. He writes down all of the license plates of the cars that are parked in the area and brings them to the police station to have them looked at. What? Yeah. Because that's normal. That's so weird. Yeah. Well, he had been told by lawyers not to harm Madison, but maybe I think he was just trying to see if the car was there, like maybe have some evidence. Maybe. Because he he is actually getting legal counsel at this point in time. Um, You know, Emma kind of spilled the beans that mm-hmm. she's having an affair. So he had talked to lawyers. They said, do not approach him. Do not talk to him. Don't touch him. Don't do anything. Um, so the only thing I can think of is he was trying to maybe get some evidence that he was there. Right, that it was like legit. Yeah. Right. So that's the only thing I can think of. So the point is, though, that because of this, he doesn't really have a super solid alibi for that night. He was at work. Then he went home. Then he went to the police station. Then went back home. But just really like all over the place. Mm. So he isn't actually accounted for during those important hours. Hmm. Yeah. So. This obviously remains one of Kentucky's biggest mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I have so many. <laughs> I know. It's a lot. It's a lot to yeah. digest. It, oh, 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 oh. Thank you. You're welcome. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know because it sounds like some of the people that would be kind of closest to it don't necessarily have a motive. And then you have all these other players that like. Right. It's like. Every time you think, oh, it's obviously that, there's like something that you're, mm, I don't know. Yeah. So the only person, the person I feel might be responsible for this is Dr. Leitman. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe he was like, you took my wife, I'm going to take yours. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. His alibi is not exactly solid. Yeah. But did he go by the police? To, like, because he went home at two, checked on his wife. Took the time to write down all these license plates. I can't imagine how many could possibly be there, but yeah. Right. So he went to the police station after right. that. So at least that could be substantiated. That's true. But he does have a lot of traveling between places. Right. So that's kind so of I where guess... I feel like his alibi isn't as strong. Right. And there's also, you know, I've heard a ton of stories where people purposely put themselves in places. Yes. Or like make a scene somewhere yeah. so that right. people so they're like, remember them. Totally... And they're like, I was there. Right. Yeah. So, hmm. I mean, going to the police station would be a really good alibi. Like I was it with sure the would. flipping police. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So but I don't know. The, I, I feel. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he's got something. Yeah. yeah. Especially because it fits the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's really the only one that has somewhat of a motive. 
Yeah. It's not really the strongest motive, but the other people don't really have one. Exactly. Like, why would you kill Mary wasn't a threat to any of those people. Right. So, I mean, that's the only thing I can come up with, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that was it. Wow. Thank you for that. Yeah. (laughs) Lots to think about. It is lots to think about. So the story I have for you guys tonight is not an unsolved mystery. We Ooh, t- I totally like know who did it. Um, and But what's crazy about it is it is over the most seemingly mundane thing. Great. To set it off. Those are fun. They are fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm calling this ZD. It's a killer. Oh, I love it. I know. Do you love it? Um, so my sources are caselaw.finelaw.com, mm-hmm. Commonwealth versus Rosenthal, oh. Associated Press News, United Press International, and I also found um, some of his uh, appeals on oh. govinfo.gov. I'm not going to read you the case number because I don't feel like it. <laughs> um, so I don't think anyone's going to look it up anyway. So. I, well, you know. <laughs> Just us nerds who go for murder and mayhem. Yes. Um, so if you are someone like me who has watched many an episode of Snapped, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Good stuff. When I was still living with my parents, um, my mom was like a psycho about watching this show. And we'd always be like, um, Daddy Dearest, you might not want to get on her bad side because yeah. she is learning oh, yeah. all sorts of ways to get rid of me. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but this story is basically one of those that's definitely part of the Snapped family. I like it. Thank you. So this case is all about a burned ZD dinner. How dare you? And how it led to a gruesome murder. Oh, man. And it is like, ugh. Like, ugh. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I'm never going to want to eat ZD again, am I? Right? I know. <laughs> well. I don't know. I pr- I'll probably still eat ZD, honestly. Um, so this happened in 1995. So I was only 11. Oh, wow. At, okay. At, right. So I was only 11 at the time of the murder and 12 at the time of the trial. But I don't recall hearing about this on the right. news. Um, so and you, like, you would have been old enough to know. Right. Like if you were five, I get that you completely weren't paying attention. Right, exactly. But I mean, at that age, yeah, you can hear things, you can see things. Right. And like when I was younger, my parents were watching the news like all the time. Right. And I remember as a kid, the JonBenet Ramsey constantly on the television, Scott Peterson constantly on the television. Yes. So it's like, why are we not hearing these things? Right. And this this happened, I believe, in Massachusetts too. Oh, well, well, I wasn't sure. Yes, I know. (laughs) So you, like, it should have been on the news. Yeah. Um. I'm sure it was on there, but still. Um, so when I stumbled on this case, it just made me go like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, like what? When I yeah. found it. So anyway. Yeah. So that's one of those a, how did I miss that? Exactly. Like what in the hell? Mm-hmm. So let's begin the story at one of the most standard mute cute locations. Okay. For spouses. The workplace. Of course. Of course. I met my husband at the workplace. See? I I have not because I work with so many women. Yeah, it's all women. It's all yeah. yeah. I, we actually do have a couple of gentlemen working at our school, but we have one, <laughs> and he's there on Tuesdays and Thursdays because he's the PE teacher. Oh, just like, one. But you also have the the janet, you know the the facilities. Yeah, that's true. The facilities stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But one, right. one of ours is technically facilities. <laughs> anyway. 
<laughs> so um, Laura Jean, who is 29, and Richard Rosenthal, 35, met while working at John Hancock. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Richard was a very prosperous senior financial officer oh, man. at the company. So he was like big stuff. Mm-hmm. And Laura Jean was an assistant investment manager. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking she was probably like secretary or something. Yeah, I was thinking that too. And then I was like, oh no, girl. Oh no, she got it. Go get it. So by September 1991, they had been married. Um, and neighbors of the Rosenthal's described Richard as quiet and slightly reclusive. They're you know, always like, that way, aren't they? I, it's always the quiet ones. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm kind of a quiet one in my... Uh-oh. Y'all better watch out. So they considered him kind of slightly reclusive because he wasn't out and about often. Right. Um, so sometimes he'd go like walking with his wife, but it wasn't like... Yeah. yeah. They weren't like, howdy doody neighbors. Like, yeah. what's up? So, uh, but the couple was nice, but just kept to themselves. You know, right. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but their relationship was anything but a sweet white picket fence. Oh dear. Dream. They had, you know, they were living in a nice neighborhood. They had a nice house, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But, um, coworkers spoke of several different instances. There was one in 1991 and then another in 1993 where Laura arrived at work with a black guy. Oh dear. Yes. And initially, it was just brushed off, obviously. She ran into a door. Yep. Oh, yeah. not ran. This was walked into a door. Oh, she walked into the door. Yep. Yeah. Then another time when he was trying to defend the black eye was that she punched herself in the face by accident. Oh, because that's something you do. That is totally something. I mean, I always punch myself in the face <laughs> on accident. Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've totally hit my eye on accident sometimes. Like Absolutely. Moving my... But like punching... Enough to make a black eye? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't buy it, Jean. Right. And obviously during the trial, you know, like they were talking to a lot of people being like, um, yeah, no, if you're like walking into a door, your eyebrow bone and your cheekbone are meant to like exactly stop things from happening to your eye socket. So a black eye would not be part right. of and that I situation. Don't, like, I, get, I seriously am picturing myself walking into a door at this moment in time. And I feel like my foot would hit it first. Right. Before any other part of my body. Right. And then you'd be like, Ugh. I mean, I don't, I don't walk with my face. <laughs> you don't forward? Walk, like, leaned over. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so obviously we all know that that was like crap. Right. Um, but, you know, when coworkers continued, continued prodding Richard, uh, he finally relented and was like, well, it was more a case of an argument mm-hmm. and he may have pushed her quote unquote mm-hmm. very sarcastic <laughs> yeah may have pushed her um causing her to fall and hit her face yeah now from anything that i was reading there wasn't really anything more beyond that for any sort of domestic violence oh dear but that makes me think that there there must have been something else even with neighbors saying oh mm-hmm. they're quiet and they keep to themselves but like yeah you know, it's usually not a one-time thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, in the late spring slash early summer of 1993, they became pregnant with their child. Oh dear! Um, it was a boy who unfortunately arrived premature oh. and ended up passing away. Oh no! Yeah, because he had like a heart and lung thing, oh. and like he did not 
survive. Well, it sounds like it might have been a blessing. Yeah. Based on the story. Exactly. Um, but Richard took this loss like super duper hard. And what? Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think partly he was probably so excited it was a boy right. and like all yeah. of that. Um, but he did become obsessive about it. Oh, dear. Yeah. So when 1995 comes around and their daughter was born, um, he really... It didn't like do anything about how sad he was about it. Mm. And so he basically kind of ignored her. Yeah. Which is really kind of awful. That is really, it's really sad. But I can see if he was obsessing about this yeah. boy that he lost, there isn't any way to replace that. Right. And I'm sure he felt some sort of resentment toward her, like it must have been your fault. Right. So. Even though, but whatever. Um. So... A lot of different sources were saying that he, more often than not, either just ignored her or really just showed disinterest towards his daughter, Mm -hmm. which Laura Jean, on the flip side, was taking that personally because she's like, we have a, like, we have a kid. Can you, like, show her some love Mm -hmm. (laughs) and some compassion? Um, So stress within the relationship continued to grow, obviously. And she really wanted Richard to be paying more attention to their daughter. And she also was starting to get concerned about taking their daughter to daycare because she wanted to go back to work. Because when okay. she, mm-hmm. like, she had quit her job at John Hancock to, you know, raise the kids, but then she wanted to go back to work. And he wasn't necessarily sharing those sentiments or those concerns. So that was kind of starting to weigh on her as well. Mm-hmm. And... um. You flip side of that, Richard was also a very controlling husband. And, yeah. um, you know, some of the stuff I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, that would be no fun. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, he really took control of the finances. Mm-hmm. So she would have to ask permission for money right. to spend. And like the day before, kind of, you know, like. But yeah. if he was at work, she was screwed, basically. Right. Like, mm-hmm. She didn't have money. Um, he actually controlled the thermostat. So if he was <gasps> home. My husband does that. <laughs> John, we need to have a talk. <laughs> um, yeah. So like if he was home and she wanted to adjust it, she had to ask permission. Oh, dear. Right? Which I don't it's ask like, permission. I just change it. Good girl. <laughs> And then I change it back. Shh, don't tell. Okay. (laughs) He is going to listen to this, though, so now he's going to know. (laughs) It's all right. So that, you know, it's one of those things. Like, I'd be like you. I'd be like, screw that. Like, I'm changing the thermostat. Like, I'm not asking permission. Anyway, so the obsession with the deceased son still was continuing. He still was barely attentive to to their daughter. And one of the things that I was just like, oh, my goodness, that came up in the trial was that – Laura Jean became very upset when she learned about a time when she must have been like out or something like she wasn't home and Richard ended up strapping their daughter to the changing table, leaving her in the bathroom unattended while he went to the kitchen to guess what? Grind coffee beans. Oh, because that's important. That's so important. I mean, I don't know. I know some people that can't function without their coffee, but... But like really, like strapping your child her, down. At least put her in the car seat on the floor or something. I mean, not on the changing table. And then like walking away. Yeah. Just like <laughs> leaving her. Anyway. Yeah. That, that kind of blew my mind. I'm not, I don't have, my, I don't have kids, 
but I can safely that's say just common sense. Yeah. Like I would not be, that's not something I would do. No. Um, and then <laughs> this just made me laugh. So by the August of 1995, Richard decided he wanted to have some more kids. Oh, that's and nice. Laura Jean was like, no, thanks. Yeah. Like not, not really. really good with one we have. So. Exactly. So I'm not like I'm super good. excited. Yes. about that. Um, now fast forward to August 28th. Of okay. 1995. Richard is preparing a ziti dinner. And during the preparation, somehow the ziti got burned. Oh, dear. Don't know if he was making big ziti. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Ziti got burned. And even though we don't know exactly what was said between the two of them, Laura Jean decided to make a comment on the oh, no. burnt ziti. And that was apparently the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Richard decided there and then to take matters into his own hands. And here comes the ewe part. Okay. So <laughs> Richard decides to, now I'm assuming he brought her outside to begin this process. <laughs> but <laughs> because I. We can I hope. But we he hasn't hope. shown the most common sense. No. So. But he did decide to pick up a rock and mm-hmm. smash it into her face so much that it rendered her near impossible to identify for the family. Nice. Yeah. But beyond that, the oh dear. coup de gras was that he took a butcher knife and sliced her from throat to navel. Nice. Removed her heart and lungs. Oh, Lord. And then stuck those organs onto a stake Laying in the backyard. Because that's what I would do. Yeah. I thought you were going to say he ate them. That was going to scare me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no. Gross. No, no. No, We're not not Hannibal Lecter here. No, no. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, So when he was finished, he decided to hide the body underneath bushes. Like you do. Like you do. Went back into the house, cleaned himself up, and decided to go for a drive with his four-month-old daughter. Yeah, there you go. Smart. Yeah. I mean... What the heck, right? Yeah. Just Take totally a nice drive. sliced and diced my wife. Gotta, and, uh, gotta calm down somehow. I guess. So he's kind of like aimlessly driving around. And he was only caught by police when he like randomly stopped to talk to a couple about gun control. Okay. <laughs> Just like, hey, random peeps, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about let's gun talk control. Let's talk about gun control right now. And obviously that kind of freaked <laughs> the the couple out. Well, yeah. So, you know, they ended up calling the police. And when the units arrived, Richard allegedly said to them, I did something terrible. I want a lawyer. Oh, okay. All right. So they end up going back to the Rosenthal house. And when the police were there, they were able to follow a trail of blood from the house to the woods. And... It was just like, it was unknown that it was her at the time, like I said, because she she was so bludgeoned. Yeah, you can't even tell who she is. Like, you know, fractured all sorts of things on her face and just like yucky. Um, The butcher knife was found in the house and a plastic bag of all his bloody men's clothing was located in his car. Oh, that he was driving around with his daughter. So smart. Yeah. So after his arrest, he pledged his innocence by reason of insanity. Insanity. Um, but a judge ordered him to be evaluated at State Mental Hospital kind of okay. before all this I was like going it. on. I like it. Thank you, Mr. Judge. Right. Or Mrs. Judge. I don't know. I, for, I don't know. I 
forget. I did not necessarily look that closely at That's the things, fine. but whatever, judge. Um, he later claimed that he believed his wife was, get this, an enemy alien vampire, Oh, part of an invasion. Perfect. Because when I think of aliens, I think of vampires as well. Absolutely. And especially when they question your ZD skills. Yes. Right? I mean, that's absolutely something an alien would do. So Totally. Yeah. So point A, point B, perfect. Done. Yep. No stops in between. We are done. No stops. Um, But the doctor who spoke with him found that his reactions were flat in regards to the murder and that his thinking overall was logical, direct, and rational. Yep. You know, he kept being like, is this a big case? And he would like refer to Laura Jean as the unknown victim. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, really. Um, But the, and then the prosecution also brought up that um, they thought that he referenced his mental clarity by his acknowledgement to the arresting officers of his terrible act. That he did something horrible. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's not right. Right. So you're not insane. Exactly. Because you know, right and wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So the jury took close to 18 hours of deliberation over a four-day period to find him guilty of first-degree murder based on extreme atrocity and cruelty. Well, yeah. Yeah. A Middlesex County Superior Court judge immediately sentenced Rosenthal to life in prison without parole. Now, Rich's father did express sorrow to his daughter-in-law's family and all of that, but he does consider his son mentally ill and that the jury miscalculated the case. I would think you'd have to. If that was your kid, you can't believe that they're just a normal person. Right. I mean... You've got to, like, give some sort of reason for it. Right. Exactly. But still, like, Mm -hmm. wow. Um, Now, he has been in the appeals process, like I said. I saw a case thing, uh, like you do, Mm because, you know, whatever, um, since his conviction, but he has not been successful as of yet. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, from what I've gathered, from what I've read so far. But I was just like, seriously? Burned ZD leads you to bludgeoning your wife beyond recognition mm-hmm. and then slicing her up, taking out organs, and then going for a leisurely drive with your daughter. With your bloody clothes in the backseat because <laughs> makes sense. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's so, a good one. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, how was that not complete national news? Right. That's what I want to know. The more I thought of it, though, I was like, I feel like I had heard of it again, maybe in like my teenage years. And I kind of was like, overbaked ziti, you know, or like, whatever, what's going on? But really, I just, how did I miss that? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that should have been like a... Like, wow, this is weird. Yeah. Something in it. What also was weird was that even though I said that I had like a bunch of resources, they all kind of were saying the same thing. Like they didn't really like dive super Mm, into it. Like I would want to know more. Like I wanted to read like actual testimony. Like I wanted to read what was really said because Mm -hmm. like it just makes no, it made me go, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) Insane. Crazy. 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 Wow. It was super fun having you. I was so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And I hope I get to we guest come, again. We can come back. That would be super fun. I would Maybe we that. can all three do something. That'd be <gasps> awesome. That would be so fantastic. Yes. Well, if you would like any more information or pictures on these cases, I'll get some from you to post on the social media. Please make sure to follow us at How Did We Miss That? And I want to give a shout out for our theme composition to Audio Anywhere Productions. You can find them at audioanywhereproductions.com. And until next week, keep your head up and look out for each other. Bye.